Stay tuned for The Turning Point with Mike Thader. to be free. Um, I want to apologize to everybody. Um, I got many emails from listeners, which is uh, encouraging to think that that many people are missing something or listening in the first place. Uh, Last week, I was, because of health problems, was not able to come in and do a new show, so we had a rebroadcast on last week. And uh, once again, thanks to those people who inquired. Uh, That's what was happening. Uh, and I did answer those by emails uh, anyhow. Uh, every day I pick up the paper. Uh, I guess, you know, everybody gets their news from a different source. I'm still getting my news from the newspaper, old-fashioned guy that I am. 
Although there are a few websites that uh, I'm subscribed to, and they send me bulletins, which I read. I guess that keeps me just minimally attuned to the modern world. Um, where I do live. <laughs> I do live in the modern world, whether I like it or not. Yeah, I am definitely one of those old people, one of those old dogs who has uh, more than a little trouble learning new tricks. But uh, I try to hang on. I try to, I try to keep myself plugged into what is uh, what is as new as possible that I can handle, that my old, addled, uh, hardening artery brain can handle. And um, so every day is a new story uh, and a new announcement about uh, about Donald Trump. Um, I'm still getting used to the idea. Maybe I'm not the only one um, that this is not a bad dream from which I will awaken. This is not a nightmare. This is actually happening. Well, it is actually happening. And so I think the uh, shock and the, um, the sense of grief and mourning is still uh, very strong among a lot of people. I was going out in the hallway the other day and ran into my neighbor who is a, um, a doctor, usually... Uh, has a very sort of straightforward, cheerful attitude. Uh, other people on my floor, uh, also some professionals, uh, and um, one of them, uh, a high school. Uh, he's a well, no, it's a, it's a, an elementary school. He's the uh, head of an elementary school. Somebody else is um, a television producer. Um, not that I'm among these people in terms of income. It just turns out that a lot of people have moved into the building over the last several years, uh, and it's become very fancy in my neighborhood, extremely fancy on the Upper West Side. Well, I've been in this apartment that I've been in for, um, it's a small apartment, two, two and a half rooms, actually three rooms, for about 25 uh, years or more. And um, uh, my wife's a social worker, and I am... Um, <laughs> I guess what you call semi-retired, you know. I don't really, I, you know, I live on Social Security and whatever else I can scrape together here and there. And I do this show and a, a few other things that I do. But uh, some of my neighbors who've moved in in the last couple of years have uh, a good deal of money, uh, professionals. and um, But uh, they are generally extremely liberal people. And... Um, I don't like to put labels on people like that, liberal. I would say that these people, put it this way, these people are extremely decent people. They have a sense of awareness of the world and of the future and the effect of, of what they do on the world and um, what, uh, whatever it is that they do, what effect it will have on their children and their children's children and the world in general. And so a lot of these people... Um, and I live in a district on the Upper West Side, a congressional district, which usually goes something like 90% or 95% Democrat, although this time it wasn't as much as it was before. I think that's kind of complicated. It has to do with um, a lot of people who uh, voted for Trump but uh, didn't make a big deal out of it. I mean, you know, the um, Republican presence, certainly any kind of conservative or extreme Republican presence is very... Um, minimal in my area. Uh, the people who live there are combinations of different ethnic groups and classes and uh, political points of view, which are generally anything from liberal to left wing. So uh, usually you get a democratic, uh, a democratic majority there, and that's putting it mildly. 
But everybody I know up there is still um, the man. You, so I ran into the, the doctor who lives next door. And uh, he had this sort of unusually glum look on his face. And I said, what's the problem? And he said, um, he said I'm still in mourning over what happened. And I guess a lot of people are. I guess a lot of people are in mourning. Um, there are these constant shocks. But it's not, like, it's not like you're in mourning for somebody who died. And that's the one shock. The shock is that this person died, let's say. And you are steeped in... Um, in the morning process, and then that's uh, <clears throat> the shock is the main thing, the shock of the event happening. But the trouble with this, with, with Trump and all these things that are going on with him, all these appointments to different um, agencies and departments and um, uh, are constant shocks. Everything he says, every tweet is a constant shock. Every ignorant, belligerent, uh, aggressive statement is a constant shock. <clears throat> it's a constant shock that the man himself has been elected president. Yes, but it's, they're, they're, these are like aftershocks <laughs> to an earthquake. They're constant, serious aftershocks. Um, and these, what we're seeing now is all the appointments to the different departments, and these are um, astounding. Absolutely astounding. They're they're worse than anybody could possibly have imagined. Yes, we all understood that Trump was um, being supported by certain people. We didn't know exactly who. We uh, we knew that he was appealing. We we thought a lot of us, you know, we, this is sort of irrational um, fantasy thinking. We knew that he was appealing to certain points of view in the country. That he wanted to appeal to certain points of view of the electorate. Uh, and certain votes that were up for grabs because the Democrats had sort of, you know, fallen down on the job over the last several years. And um, so Trump was appealing to people in the, what used to be called the Bible Belt, the Rust Belt. He was specifically going after certain electoral uh, college states that, uh, in fact, in the end, did put him over the top. <clears throat> he was appealing to people who are uh, not as educated people who maybe uh, don't think so much about the consequences of what they do. Uh, not that anybody in any class can't do that or any, uh, any level of education. I mean, God knows I've spent my entire life doing things without thinking about the consequences. So no exceptions there and no condescending attitude involved here. But Mr. Trump was going after these people. And so he was... A, he was um, he was, you know, he was uh, giving them, you know, telling them during the election, during the campaign, he was telling them, when I get to be president, I'm going to I'm going to clean up the swamp. I'm going to get rid of all the elites. I'm going to get rid of these people. And we're going to we're going to change this. We're going to change that. We're going to get you jobs. We're going to. Um, so he's telling all these people these things. And then he was going to more extremes. He was saying, um, he said, well, get, you know, a lot of these people wanted the people he wanted their votes and whose votes he got. He was uh, telling them, he would, uh, you know, we'll get rid of abortions. There won't be any more abortions. We'll close down Planned Parenthood. We'll, get, we'll open up all the energy, uh, all the drilling for gas and for oil and everything else. He's, a, he's, a pr he's um, promising all these things. And a lot of us convinced ourselves, convinced ourselves well, he's not going to really do that. He's just doing this to get elected. But we didn't really know what he stood for. Now we know. Now we know. Is he rewarding the people who voted for him? 
Is he looking to the future? You know, when is he thinking about the, the midterm elections coming up? He is giving these people everything they wanted. And especially what bothers me, uh, I mean, uh, it's, all, it's all astounding and shocking and upsetting, but what bothers me is the uh, whole idea of the climate change. Um, he is putting in climate change, global warming deniers, climate change deniers. He's putting in Rex Tillerson, for instance, the, the CEO of, uh, of um, ExxonMobil. He's putting in Rick Perry to be in charge of the energy department. I mean, Rick Perry. So all these people he's putting in, and I worry about my children. My granddaughter was just born four weeks ago. She's got to live in this world. She's got to live in a democracy which seems to be on its way to fascism, and she's got to live in a world that's going to be choking on oil and gas fumes because of Donald Trump. You know, I passed by his, uh, we have a guest on about uh, a couple, of, in a couple of minutes we have a guest coming on, and we're going to talk about some specific thing um, that um, Donald Trump is uh, upsetting a lot of people, which are, which are his, um, his business affiliations while he's president. And the violation of uh, in the conflict of interest and the violation of ethics and everything else. That'll be in about a minute or so that we'll have this guest on. But what I always want, I passed by the other day, I passed by Trump's uh, sons. His son was about 10 or 11 years old, looks like a sweet kid. Uh, his private school on the Upper West Side, kind of a fancy attitude, a fancy neighborhood, Central Park West. And I wonder. Do people like Trump and people like him and all these other people, do they, do they think about their children ever? Do they consider their children? Do they consider their grandchildren? Do they consider anybody else's children? Or do they just live in a world which is only for themselves, where they have no, no idea of the future? Well, there's plenty more to say about this, but I think what we're going to move on uh, once we get our guest on the line. And um, we're going to uh, talk about a couple of specific things that uh, are... Uh, worrisome and get into some details. We're, uh, we're checking with our guests now. Uh, <coughs> don't really have. Donald Trump has indicated that he may continue as executive producer of NBC's Celebrity Apprentice, starring, um, will be starring in January, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, at least uh, Donald Trump is not going to be starring on the, um, on the TV show. He's going to be, but he might continue as the executive producer. And this is his spokesperson. I don't know what her ex exact position is. Kellyanne Conway. Uh, she says that he may continue as executive producer with NBC. Um, let, let's, we're going to take, you know what, we're going to take a short break and then um, come right back. We're having a little technical trouble trying to contact our guest. And I just want to try to straighten this out. Thank you. 
with us a guest today uh, on this issue that I just mentioned. Um, that's a serious rumbling noise in the background there. I can't quite tell what it is. Um, uh, Mr. Gertz, you there? I am, yes. Okay. Um, we've got some background noise. Oh, it seems to be diminishing now. Um, sounds like an F-35 is flying over where you are. Uh, uh, so Donald Trump has indicated that he may continue as um, executive producer of uh, Celebrity Apprentice. Uh, Kellyanne Conway says he can do it in his spare time, uh, which is worrisome enough as a phrase. But um, it brings up a couple of issues. And the first issue is, uh, you know, well, actually, let's, let's introduce our guest first. We, we're, the, we're with Matt Gertz, who is the research director at Media Matters. And Matt Gertz has written extensively on media coverage of the Benghazi attacks, gun violence, voting rights, LGBT issues, and elections, as well as media ethics. And speaking of media ethics, um, there's a problem here with, there's a couple of problems, serious problems, that uh, Mr. Gertz has written about uh, that has to do with NBC's connection to Donald Trump and Donald Trump's connection to NBC, but specifically what position NBC is in uh, with uh, with um, their relationship with Donald Trump, and you know, you remember that uh, that uh, they broke off, said that they broke off relationship with Donald Trump during the campaign because of some statements he made. So, what's the what's the first issue we have to worry about here? NBC said they broke off because of their principles, right? Yes. Um, th so there are a couple of different issues at play. One is, uh, of course. The question of why NBC is allowing a continuing financial relationship with the President of the United States uh, that will apparently run for as long as Celebrity Apprentice is on the air. Um, you know, as you know, he uh, is apparently going to remain an executive producer on NBC's Celebrity Apprentice. That's, that's, um, that's that show certain. is coming back in January, mm -hmm. uh, and you know we've we've never really seen something like this before, a, a news, uh, you know, NBC is a major news outlet. Uh, NBC, MSNBC, CNBC are all going to be covering the sitting president at a time when they will have a financial incentive to protect his reputation mm -hmm. uh, and thus protect the ratings of Celebrity Apprentice and the money that their network gets from it. This is um, a terrible position for NBC to have put its journalists in. Uh, mm -hmm. there, there really isn't a way out of this unless uh, NBC dumps Trump and, and finds a way to get him off the show. Um, well, I mean, now I, NBC, uh, they, they, the, the Celebrity Apprentice is produced by Mark Burnett's company, which is part of MGM, right? It's, yes. It's not, it's not an NBC production entirely, so that they, NBC is claiming that they have less control over this. 
Well, they have control over whether or not they want to air the show as it's currently maintained. I mean, they're going to be making a lot of money off of this program, which is, you know, uh, built in part on the reputation of the president of the United States. I think it, it's, you know, that's that's the answer that they've been giving that it that it's it's not their show, but that that's a really um, a, a pretty obvious way to try to duck responsibility for the situation they've put themselves and their journalists in. Mm-hmm. And um, there are also um, uh, there are other considerations. Uh, that, well, first of all, during the, uh, the election campaign, NBC, uh, when Trump was ma- first made his statements about Mexicans sending their worst over here, rapists, murderers, whatever it else he is that he was saying, uh, people were outraged. And NBC issued several statements saying that they uh this is not who they were this is not how they this is not what they stood for uh this is not uh this is not what their principles were that's correct right i mean yeah so back in june after trump's initial uh comments uh, about uh, mexican immigrants um there was a lot of pressure on nbc because they had uh they were so intertwined with donald trump's media empire you know they uh, we're partners uh, with the uh, Miss USA and Miss Universe pageants, in mm-hmm. addition to Celebrity Apprentice. And so NBC released a very strong statement. And what they said was not that, you know, they couldn't uh, be involved with him because he was a presidential candidate or something like that, but they made a very clear and strong statement. At NBC, respect and dignity for all people are cornerstones of our values, they said in their press release back then. Mm-hmm. Due to the recent derogatory statements by Donald Trump regarding immigrants, NBC Universal is ending its business relationship with Mr. Trump. They were doing it very deliberately because of the uh, comments that he had made and the way that he did not share their values. So I think the question for NBC is what over the past you know, year and a half or so uh, has indicated that they now do uh, share his values. <laughs> um, Donald Trump spent most of the rest of his campaign denigrating people of color and immigrants and Muslims and women. Um, not, not to mention, and, not to mention uh, news people. News people, absolutely. I mean, you know, NBC knows better than anyone else. They had, uh, you know, there were instances where one of their reporters, Katie Turr, uh, had to be escorted uh, to her vehicle by the Secret Service because Donald Trump had basically attacked her from the stage Mm -hmm. during these uh, rallies, and the Secret Service was worried for her safety. Um, You know, NBC actually, this, this is the thing that, baffles me the most about this. Yeah. You may remember when the Access Hollywood uh, video was released, you know, Donald Trump was basically admitting to sexual assault in that video, uh, and the other participant in that video was Billy Bush, who had been host of Access Hollywood at the time, and he mm-hmm. was sort of laughing along and participating in, in Trump's comments, uh, and NBC fired Billy Bush. They didn't want mm-hmm. a business relationship with the guy laughing along with Trump's comments, but they apparently do want to have a business relationship with the guy who said them, mm-hmm. um, which I think really raises questions about what exactly NBC, NBC's values are in this case. Well, I mean, uh, these are questions we're asking, but the, the, the answer, they're, like, they're almost like rhetorical questions. What NBC's values are, are uh, the bottom line, right? I mean, you know, they... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think they... 
uh, are making a calculation that the money that they can make from Celebrity Apprentice is worth the damage to their brand that they could receive from continuing to have a financial relationship with the president while their reporters are supposed to be reporting on him. Well, it'll be interesting to see. And this, this affects, uh, uh, this may affect uh, uh, MSNBC, for instance, right? The, uh, the, sure. the one mean, liberal you know, group of people, quote-unquote liberal group of reporters and journalists. On, uh, it's just a terrible position to put them in. They're going to be under the microscope on all of this because of what NBC's executives have chosen to do. Um, you know, they are in a position where, uh, you know, this news breaks and largely their hosts are uh, ignoring it altogether or they're discussing whether this deal is a conflict of interest for Trump, uh, mm -hmm. but not whether it's a conflict of interest for them. Uh, yesterday, Matt Lauer, on, uh, uh, you know, the uh, co-host of NBC's Today, uh, did an interview with Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's the new host of Celebrity Apprentice, hmm. um, and they talked about Trump's role as an executive producer of the program. Uh, but, you know, Lauer was downplaying... Uh, any conflict of interest created by that, he just referred to it as extra drama um, and asked Schwarzenegger, would you have thought this could happen? Um, well, maybe this is an and, indication of, of the way that NBC is going to play this. You know. Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to try to sweep it under the rug as much as possible and hope no one pays attention. Well, it's extraordinary, and you can't expect Trump to do the right thing. I mean, he, you don't. I mean, do we expect him to announce that he's decided uh, that he's going to sever his relationship because of uh, ethical problems? I don't think so, right? No, I think if there's anything we've learned from Donald Trump over the last year and a half is that he's not going to take any ethical action unless he's absolutely forced to. He didn't release his tax returns. You know, he has. Uh, refused to come forward and explain what he's going to do with his business interests. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, now he's got this continuing relation with NBC. He doesn't care. He's going to keep getting the money. So it's on NBC to make a, d a decision in the benefit of their own ethical situation. Um, they're the only ones uh, who one can really have that sort of expectation for at this point. And it's a question also, as you mentioned, uh, what kind of choice are they going to make? Uh, they may decide that they, you know, that the they'll have to do numbers like bean, you know, bean counters do, like in insurance people uh, prognostications. How many people will they lose uh, who are offended by this continuing relationship, and how many people will they gain? And I think they're probably thinking they're going to gain more than they're going to lose. But uh, so much for their integrity in that case, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Also, there's the problem of, uh, of uh, sponsorship on this show, right? I mean, if large corporations are sponsors of the show, then how does that work? Because they have business with the federal government. Yeah, I mean, well, there are certainly large conflicts created all over the place uh, around this. I mean, yes, th so the individual shows are sponsored by particular companies and products. Um, you know, it's product placement uh, more or less, and, and they're spending millions of dollars to be associated with the Celebrity Apprentice brand, which is obviously closely connected to the, uh, to the Trump brand. So 
what happens to companies who receive sponsorship? And, you know, is Trump, Trump is aware of that. It's public information. So are they going to get treated better? What happens if they don't want to come back the following season? Um, mm-hmm. What kind of pressure can be put on them for that? What happens to advertisers who do or don't want to be associated with the show? I mean, you could see a situation where ad buyers, uh, you know, go to uh, these companies and demand exorbitant uh, amounts of money for the uh, basically the ability to be associated with the President of the United States' television show. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could also see anyone who, uh, any company that would publicly say, I don't want, we, we don't want to be associated with this show, we don't want to buy advertisements, you know, what happens when Trump starts tweeting about them mm-hmm. and about how terrible they are and how everyone should stop buying their products because they don't want to be associated with him. Well, it's just really a terrible situation all the way around. Well, we only have, we only have like about a, a minute left with you. Uh, we're talking to Matt Gertz, who's research director at Media Matters. Is there anything that, a uh, question it seems I'd be, I'm asking inevitably all the time lately, is there anything that any average citizen can do about this? Absolutely. We have a petition on our website telling NBC to dump Trump. Uh, everyone should go there at Media Matters at action.mediamatters.org. Mm-hmm. Uh, fill that out. The more people that are uh, getting in NBC's face about this and pointing out that what they're doing is wrong, the better chance that there is of them uh, realizing that what they're doing is intolerable and changing their behavior. All right. Well, thank you very much. Uh, We can only hope for the best in this bizarre. uh, And we're going to talk about Russia and the United States election and the hacking issue. Uh, We're with uh, Bill Danvers, who's from the Center for American Progress. Hello. I'm having a little hard time hearing you. I apologize for that. Oh, uh, can you hear me now? Uh, I can. I can a little better. Sorry. Not a... Not yeah. a great modern fo- phone system here, I guess. Uh, in either direction, who knows? I have no idea what's going on. And these days, maybe uh, maybe it's the Russians or maybe it's Mr. Trump. I believe it is the Russians. It's got to be the Russians. Yeah, it's always the Russians. Uh, and the question is, uh, is Mr. Trump uh, uh, part of uh, the the um, the um, program? Or is he just, uh, as Paul Krugman said in the paper today, a useful idiot? We don't really know how much he knew, when he knew it, and how much he's involved. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think the technical term is unwitting, but I think it means the same thing. <laughs> unwitting, yes, unwitting. <laughs> unwitting. Yeah. An unwitting participant in their shenanigans. A wonderful phrase, unwitting. No unwitting, wits. Unwitting, exactly. No wits. Um, Having to do with wits, I think. Yeah, uh, and the lack of. Uh, so Bill, Bill Danvers is uh, a senior fellow at uh, the Center for American Progress, where he works on a range of national security issues. He's worked on national security issues for 34 years in the executive... Actually, 35 now. 35 years. <laughs> All right. 35 years. And um, in the executive branch, Congress, various international organizations, and the private sector. So in the executive... What were you doing in the executive branch? When was well, that? I, I uh, worked for the Clinton administration. I worked at the, uh, at the State Department for Strobe Talbot when he was sort of running all sort of post-Soviet... Uh, uh, programs for the for President Clinton. He and President Clinton had gone to graduate school together. And then I worked at the National Security Council for uh, Sandy Berger, uh, the late, the late great Sandy Berger, a wonderful human being, and Tony Lake, mm-hmm. and, and then worked in the Obama administration for, for Liam Panetta, both at the CIA and DOD, and, and for John Kerry at the State Department, and did, did various things on the Hill, both in the House and the Senate. 
And also, it says here, international organizations? I did. I, I worked for the OECD. I, I, I had the good fortune to have been a deputy secretary general at the OECD in Paris for a couple of years. And uh, private sector? I, I, worked on a, uh, I worked in a government relations firm uh, on a whole range of, of, of international issues. Um, but did that for about 10 years. I had to put my, my kids through college. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, it's hard to know where to begin with this. Uh, there was an article, uh, was, I guess it yes, was it yesterday? Or no, was it Wednesday? I think it was on Wednesday. Um, a huge, uh, I think it was a four-page article, over 7,000 yeah. words. Uh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, uh, that uh, the New York Times uh, published uh, what turns uh, what appears to be unequivocal uh, proof uh, that uh, the Russians and even Putin uh, specifically uh, were behind this kind of thing. And maybe we can get a little bit of a history for this. Uh, first of all, this is this intrusion in the election and then trying to sway the election might be um, extraordinary and it might be new and it might be shocking to all of us. But this kind of thing, this kind of uh, hacking and attempt to influencing influence things, well, maybe they're two separate things, this hacking into... American, uh, like, for instance, the State Department, uh, maybe the Department of Defense, Joint Chiefs of Staff, this hacking has been going on for a long time. It's all part of the new Cold War, right? Well, yes, hacking has been, espionage and hacking have, have been going on for quite some time. Um, and it's not simply the Russians, it's the Chinese and, and the Iranians to a certain extent, and the North Koreans, clearly, and, uh, um, have, about, have and, all been participating in this. And the Americans, too? Oh, sh well, you, you know, I... What we do overseas, I, I, I couldn't say specifically, but it wouldn't surprise me. Mm -hmm. um, so, but, but I think what has happened here is they've crossed the line, the Russians have crossed the line, to interfering with, with the political process um, in, in, in a very demonstrable way, as that article points out. Um, because they didn't only hack the DNC and John Podesta, who, who founded CAP, uh, but they also uh, hacked the DCCC which is the Congressional Campaign Committee for, for Democratic House members. So they really did the whole gambit. And then they gave those, those emails that were hacked to WikiLeaks so that they would publish them. And you never really know whether or not they doctored them before they gave them to WikiLeaks. On the other side of the coin is that they did not um, do anything with the Republican emails because there's clear indication that they did hack Republicans, whether or not they hacked the specific computers at the RNC or just their contractors or just individual Republicans remains to be seen, but they were hacked and, and they were not released. So espionage goes on, but, but I think the Russians have clearly uh, crossed the line uh, with this particular set of hacks that they've, they've uh, undertaken really for the last year or so. Well. Why, why is it, do you think, although this might be a rhetorical question, when you consider Putin's relationship with uh, Trump and, um, and now you look at his appointment for Secretary of State, why is it that the Russians have crossed this line? Because they can or because well, what's your opinion or what's your feeling about why they cross this line? I, I, think, I think yes, because they can. And, and I think part of what Putin wants to, to make sure that people understand is that Russia is back. I think Putin would, would, would love to sort of uh, reclaim the glory days, as he sees it, um, of, of the Soviet Union when Russia was, was, was the other major world power. Mm -hmm. I think the other piece of it is that, that in 2011, 
um, there was criticism by Secretary Clinton, then Secretary Clinton, and, and the administration of elections that had taken place in, in, in Russia, saying that they weren't uh, necessarily on the level, weren't completely legitimate. And Putin took offense to that. I mean, he became, he, he was reelected as president. He'd been president, then prime minister, and then president again. And he took offense to that. And, and, and I guess, one could speculate that this is a kind of retaliation on his part. He felt that we were undermining and calling in, in, into question the legitimacy of his elections, and this was his way of doing it with us, except he, he did it, obviously, he went a lot further than, than just sort of stating criticism. You know, I heard uh, part of an interview with somebody on NPR with uh, President Obama this morning, and yeah. uh, I got that same sinking feeling that I always get, well, that I've gotten frequently when people talk to President Obama about what he's going to do or what he has done or what we should do. Um, this is something, first of all, the United States knew about uh, this Russian hacking. Uh, various intelligence agencies knew about it for a long, long time, right? It, it, they, yes, the, the intelligence community is, is actually much more cautious than people give it credit for. But they, they did something actually quite quite unusual. In the beginning of October, the ODNI, the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, which oversees the 17 uh, intelligence um, community pieces, um, uh, and the uh, Secretary of, of Department of Homeland Security put out a, a statement, basically a press release in, in early October, saying that the Russians were hacking. So there, there could be no doubt uh, on the part of the administration, but there could be no doubt on the part of, 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 the, of the Trump team as well that this was going on. They were unequivocal. It was very unusual for them to do this. In terms of response, um, putting that statement out was, 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 I guess, part of the naming and shaming. They could have done uh, some sanctions at the time. My understanding, and, and, and I saw an excerpt from that same interview, was that they were, they were concerned that the Russians might take it further and actually get into voting machines and that kind of thing that would be even more disruptive. Mm -hmm. Whether that's true or not, I don't know, but that, that at least, I guess, is part of the rationale. Whether they're doing something uh, covertly, which none of us would know about, um, uh, that may have been going on, and, and Vice President Biden suggested that that could have been going on even before the, the election took place. Now, the FBI, according to what I read in that, art, in that huge yeah. article in the Times, which looked very well-researched to me, um, yeah. they, uh, the FBI apparently, uh, several months ago or longer than that, had called— Oh, a year ago. It was a year ago. That's right, a yeah. year ago uh, in the summer. They called uh, the Democratic National Committee, right, which uh, yep. seemed kind of odd to me when, I, when, they said, when an agent from the, SB, from the FBI— made a telephone call to the Democratic. You, you would think they might have dropped over to, for a meeting with them, but I mean, you know, considering... <laughs> it's not far, believe me. Yeah, well, it's, it's just seemed very strange to me that they made a sort of lackluster, you know. Anyhow, that they made a call over there, and uh, they were saying that they wanted to speak to somebody, you know, who mm -hmm. is connected with these kinds of things, tech stuff. So they just got connected to the tech department, uh, somebody maybe who was in charge of the tech department there. Sure. And um, this went its usual route, you know, like, hold on, our menu <laughs> options have changed, right, that kind of thing. Right. Uh, it all seemed very strange. Then they made several calls, apparently, um, and uh, this was not taken uh, in any way very seriously by the Democratic National Committee, or not as seriously as it should have been taken. Um, I don't understand how, how that kind of... That, I don't understand that kind of lackluster behavior. I mean, what an astoundingly serious thing. Uh, if it happened to the Joint Chiefs of Staff, the Secretary of State, mm -hmm. it would be taken as a declaration of war, and uh, it would be dealt with accordingly, and, and, I, and I assume it was. Although, according to today, in an article in the paper today, 
that uh, it's almost impossible to keep these hackers from um, from getting in. You have to watch them every, every literally every millisecond. You yes, know, you do. But um, didn't you find it kind of strange uh, or, um, I don't know, a little depressing and sad the way the Democratic National Committee handled this and the way the FBI just assigned somebody to call on the phone? Well, I found it concerning, and I'm hoping it's, it's, it's I think, a tragedy that it happened and an outrage that the Russians did it. Um, I find it discouraging that it was handled in the way that it was handled. I mean, clearly some balls were dropped, as they say. Um, there, I think, and I read the same article, that there was, there was uh, some speculation on the part of the fellow at the DNC who answered the phone, is this really the FBI? Why the FBI agent didn't come down and, and, and meet with him in person, right. I, I can't figure out. I don't know why that happened. John Podesta, whose emails were hacked, has a very interesting piece on the FBI involvement in this in today's Washington Post, which I, I commend to your, to, to your listeners. They might want to take a look at He goes into some more detail about, about the role that the Bureau played and maybe the, the, the role that they could have played, could, some, some things they could have done differently. Mm-hmm. What, what I agree. Yeah, it, it it is a little depressing. But what what I hope it does is 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 it's a wake up call for us because you really do have to constantly be aware of 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 the hacking that's going on, and it and it really is almost a millisecond uh, awareness that we have to be get on top of. And and to tell you the truth, the government can't do it on its own. I think we need to work with the with the private sector to figure out ways to protect ourselves a lot better. Tom Donilon um, and, and some others just uh, put out a report. Mm-hmm. The president had had asked uh, him to head up a commission on, on cybersecurity, and they just issued a report on some things that, that, that can be done, that the government can do, and the government can do in, 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 uh, in conjunction with the private sector to try to protect ourselves a little bit better. But you're never going to hit 100% with this stuff. It's, it's really a brave new world. What I worry about are terrorists um, sort of getting more sophisticated w- with this kind of thing, and, and, and that becomes a huge problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, infiltrating, uh, I mean, you know, there, there's this, this is a, a kind of uh, cyber war, which can easily be, um, you can see the effect that it had on the election here. Yep. Well, let, let me back up a little bit first. Sure. Uh, uh, do, you, do you have any reason to suspect or believe, I mean, to use this phrase about Trump, uh, I don't know if he specifically, Krugman was specifically using the phrase about Trump, but he was putting him in a group of people that he called useful idiots, you know. Uh, <laughs> but, uh there are some people who have gone so far, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, that it might have been Podesta uh, who suggested that Trump knew about this. Have you heard, you know, you've heard these, uh, these rumors that Trump may have known what was going on? Now, I, I find that hard to believe. I don't, I don't see him as, as calculating enough, and I don't, see, I don't see the Russians as sharing this information with him. Just I, I, I see them going ahead and doing it to help him out. But his rela- his business relationships, he's uh, you know he's got a relationship with uh, with uh, Russian oligarchs through the Deutsche Bank. Mm-hmm. He's got uh, and now of course uh, now we see he's appointed uh, Tillerson, which is extraordinary to be the Secretary mm-hmm. of State. Um, is there any reason to suspect or believe that Donald Trump knew anything about this? I mean, they asked him during one of the uh, was it during one of the debates? Yeah, or during the press conference, uh, and he said. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, you know, feel free. Go ahead and hack, hack uh, her emails. Right. So, uh, what is there any reason to? Do, do you have any? Uh, I mean, you're a responsible person. You don't want to make allegations like this, but uh, you know, you're, um, 
you know, you're not unwitting the way some other people are. But I mean, there there have been accusations, and I and I I don't know if I got this right, but it may have been Podesta who actually suggested that maybe he thinks that Trump had some involvement in this. Well, I mean, I think being aware and being involved are, are, are really two two different two different issues. Um, I, I, there were a couple articles, I think, in, in the paper either this morning or yesterday morning that, that clearly indicated that he, he had to have known. But he, if, if I knew in October, in fact, I wrote a piece for Huffington Post on this, clearly he had to know. And in, in, in the DHS uh, ODNI press release came out in early October, so there was, and, and, and he did make a comment. I remember the comment at a, at a, at a press conference. And I think uh, the, the, uh, the National Security Forum where they weren't on the stage together, where Clinton and Trump weren't on the stage together, that, that Matt Lauer uh, uh, hosted. Um, I think he talked. To, he was asked about this then. Um, so he had to be aware that there was hacking. There is no way that he could not have been aware that it, that, he, that there was hacking. As to whether or not he was involved, uh, that sounds a little far-fetched to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think he was clearly aware. We were all aware if we were paying attention. Um, and all you had to do was read the papers. And, and as, I'm, as I said, I actually wrote something about it in October. Mm-hmm. And um, so from this point on, what is it that the United States uh, – what, what can – now, now let's get back to this issue of terrorists sure. getting involved. Um, if this is this cyber war, you know, yeah, they, so they, they influence the elections. But uh, Russia, I think, uh, something else I read, Russia has uh, used, um, used this kind of stuff before to go beyond just influencing elections, which by they do in Europe, I understand, too, which they yes, have done. They, well, there's a whole disinformation, which is it's, 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 it's linked to it, but it's not actually the same thing. They, they, they use disinformation and fake news. Um, regularly in Europe, uh, and, and there's speculation that they may have done a little bit of that with the recent Italian referendum on the Constitution, that they may have been involved a little bit with the Brexit vote when Sweden was considering um, joining NATO. There was a disinformation uh, campaign that was going on um, uh, saying some bad things about NATO and what they were going to do to the Swedes, um, and, and it was linked uh, to, to the Russians uh, there as well. So there, the disinformation is actually a, a, a word that we used during in the Soviet era and, and attributed to the Russians. So this is something they've been doing for quite a while, uh, to the Soviets in those days, and this is something they've been doing for quite a while and are pretty good at. And, and this actually concerns me as much as as much as the whole uh, hacking issue, because it's something that people believe. I mean, we just had this thing with uh, with the, the uh, Comet Ping Pong Pizza Parlor in right. D.C. where the guy came, and, and, and it was because of rumor, weird rumor and gossip on the Internet that he, he took this action. And the Russians are, are involved with this stuff. Well, I, uh, I um, also heard that uh, there was uh, some investigation. Uh, I forget who did this. Uh, there was some investigation... Maybe it was uh, somebody from BuzzFeed or somebody. They, they were trying to figure out the trace where all these fake news stories were coming from. Yeah. And they found that there was one small town uh, in, I think it was, uh, maybe it was Macedonia or someplace like that. Yeah. Uh, uh, is that what, you know, I, I forget the country. Yeah, I, I, read the, I read the same thing, yeah. yeah. And, 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 and I think there are cutouts that, that the Russians use. Yeah. Um, but, but they... Uh, but they don't, uh, you know. In other words, you don't have you don't want to have direct attribution. But they they do use some cutouts. But 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 ultimately, it it is Russia that's doing it. It's Russia that's doing it as a as a government. And and I, and I have zero doubt that Putin knows what's going on. I mean, he knows everything that's going on. This is a guy who's got supreme control over his country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and he was the head of the KGB too. So 
Yeah, yeah, he uh, he was uh, he was the number two in the KGB, and uh, and he's more like a czar than he is like a, like the head of the Communist Party um, in Russia. He he really there's if you like interested in Russian history, go back and let it, look at Alexander the Third. He, he he reminds me of Alexander the Third, this kind of nasty nasty man who was in charge of everything. Mm-hmm. And and so uh, I think also that I uh, heard that uh, Putin. Uh, but now now when you you take this into another area using this. Um, this uh, cyber warfare, which is beyond hacking, and this cyber warfare, where uh, you can shut down, and may have he may have shut down, the Russians may have shut down part of a power grid in Ukraine. That's what concerns me. Yeah, that's what concerns. That's me. That's what you were talking about before, right? Yeah, and, that that that's and that's where the terrorist piece comes in. That's what, and that's what I know that the uh, that the intelligence community. Um, and the Department of Defense and others are very, very concerned about the critical, the the, the hacking of critical infrastructure, mm-hmm. and, and and it's bad enough. The election piece is bad, and it needs to be dealt with. But 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 breaking into a grid is 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 untenable, and that really is an act of war, <sighs> and has to has to be dealt with as such. Well, this interview with uh, President Obama was uh, not helpful. I mean, I mean, he's not going to reveal the kind of secret information and the things that the no, uh, American won't. government is doing. But uh, he's. Um, oh, if you just tuned in, we're uh, we're listening to Bill Danvers, who is um, a senior fellow at uh, Center for American Progress, where he's a specialist on national security issues. So, what is it? I mean, you know, part of the part of the the shock and the awe of all this kind of stuff is how helpless the average person sitting in front of their uh, laptop or their desktop computer feels about this, the average citizen or the average uh, voter in this country. I mean, what is, it, what is it that people can do if they can do anything at all about this? Well, again, referring to this report that, that, that this uh, special, I guess it was a committee or commission that the president asked Tom Donlin to head, they have a series of recommendations that people can do um, in, in terms of, I guess it's double passwords, but, but I'm not, I'm not a, a techie, so I couldn't, I couldn't give you chapter and verse, but they outlined some things there. But that's where we, I think, working with the private sector a little bit, there, there may be some simple things, uh, some things as simple as just sort of being aware of changing your password, of, of, of what phishing means with a PH, not an F, mm-hmm. means when the, when, on your computer, uh, being very aware of documents or, uh, that are sent to you that you shouldn't open because they look a little peculiar. If they look peculiar, they may be, and you may just want to you may just want to uh, delete them. So there there are things that can be done, but I'm hoping that there's more that can be done, and, and we can work with the private sector to actually make us a lot safer. Because I'm as nervous as anybody else mm-hmm. uh, getting on my computer every morning, and, and, and God knows it's the first thing I do when I get up. Well, yeah, I mean, all of us all day long. I mean, I take it, yeah. for, but I take it for granted now that uh, that every keystroke, and I mean, and not just the Russians, unfortunately, the NSA yeah. too. You know, I take it for granted that no matter what I do on the computer, I don't, I don't use my cell phone very much, but uh, whatever I do on the computer, I take it for granted that it's available. I mean, look at what Yahoo announced the other day. Yes. I mean, what's it now? A billion. It's a billion and a half total. First of all, it was yeah, five hundred. Yeah, a billion and a half. Okay. Uh, and uh, today there was uh, information that uh, three separate actors, nobody knows who they are, uh, whether they were state actors or private, uh, mm-hmm. paid $300,000 each to, uh, to get this information from, some, from whoever it is that, uh, that broke into Yahoo. So, um, well, all right, um, with that uh, cheerful kind of con- con- conversation. <laughs> um, well, I'm glad that you're, you know, that you're keeping an eye on it all. Uh, that's Bill Danvers, Center for American Progress, Senior Fellow at American Progress. 
and he's a specialist on national security issues. Uh, how can people access information uh, that the Center for American Progress has on this? I mean, how do they get to... Uh, just go to our website. Um, I, I, I'm going to talk to some people here about us doing a little bit more on it. I just uh, wrote a paper on, on Russia, and, and a third of it is, is deals a little bit with the disinformation and the, uh, and the hacking mm-hmm. that just went on. People may want to look at that, and there's, there's obviously other good papers that are put out there on a range of issues. And the website is... It's it's uh, to tell you the truth, just uh, go Center for American Progress, and I, I okay. No, I mean, I should have that in front of me, but I don't. No, that'll do. You can tell. <laughs> Maybe that's why I've never been hacked. I <laughs> I can't even handle my own computer. What, was it uh, one last question? Was it was it the sure. Center for American Progress where? Um, or I'm not sure which major national organization. If it was the Center for American Progress, where part of the Russian hacking revealed that the president or the the chairman or chairwoman of the national of a national organization had visited Clinton headquarters and said that uh, their uh, their uh, you know their their way of approaching things was suboptimal. Was this some some well known woman? I forget who it was. Did you? Uh, yeah, the, the the head of John Podesta founded it. And a woman named Neera Tandon, who's right. brilliant and, 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 and thoughtful and worked for Hillary Clinton, um, both when she was first lady and then, and then in the Senate and worked for Obama in the White House, heads it now. Um, the issue you're talking about, I don't, I don't know specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, she, but, she made a visit and then it was revealed and she said it was the worst time in our professional life. All right. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah, that could be. Yeah, I know her email. Uh, she was referred to in, in, in Podesta's emails. I mean, the idea that someone would go through my dirty laundry is, is always a concern to me. So I say nothing but happy and nice things to people now on uh, uh, email. <laughs> That's right. Always, you know, always be careful what you say. On the Accentuate email. the positive. All right. Thanks for sticking around for so long. And, Anytime. Uh, thank you. I hope we can do it again. Okay. Thanks a lot. Uh, that, thank you, sir. Okay. Take Bill, care. That's Bill Danvers, Center for American Progress. Uh, yeah, I guess we all have to take it for granted that uh, the um, that whatever you do on your computer is available to anybody. And uh, a lot of us have been uh, concentrating on the uh, on the NSA. I mean, uh, after uh, uh, Mr. Snowden revealed what he revealed, and our own government spying on us, but not as our own government spying on us, but the Russians uh, are hacking us. Uh, where do we all fit in the middle of this? I don't know. We're like a lot of mice who have to avoid elephants stomping around all over the place. Elephants with evil intent, not, uh, not unwitting elephants. So the Russians, just, 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 I mean, I've, we've read novels like this. <laughs> These are like novels, but now they're real. And um, now Mr. Danvers here at the Center for American Progress is not free to say anything like that. And he thinks it's kind of a... Uh, kind of a long, a long uh, assumption that uh, Donald Trump knew anything about this. I don't think Donald Trump knows anything about anything very much at all. I think what he does is he's an opportunity. He's like an opportunistic infection. He's not like an evil, planned uh, genius, you know, who uh, looks uh, far ahead and has all kinds of, uh, you know, fascinating chess moves that are like, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of moves ahead. But he's shrewd and he's quick and he's always interested in his own, uh, his own betterment. So uh, I think he's uh, more like an opportunistic infection. He sees, uh, and he is connected to the Russians, he's connected to Putin. And who knows what he owes Putin? Who knows what he owes Putin? And uh, as I say, you know, a lot of the Russian oligarchs who invested uh, very heavily in Donald Trump's various business operations 
um, uh, were putting their money in the Deutsche Bank in Europe, and that's where Donald Trump got most of his uh, loans from. And we'll never know about that because he'll never reveal any of his business information. So the ongoing saga of Donald Trump and what do we do about it? We have to, like, you know, I've, like I've said before, we have to keep our eye on it. We have to keep talking about it. We just have to hope that we aren't um, uh, tipped too far over into fascism. We're expressing our opinion, like on this radio station or, you know, in your email or on Facebook or anything like that, makes you suspect and investigated by government organizations because Trump said he's interested in doing that, too. All right, that's enough of, uh, of, uh, of the uh, berating, uh, all the uh, bemoaning, I should say, all the things that are going on. But this idea of the Russians uh, hacking uh, the American, you know, the Democratic uh, National Committee and influencing the election, absolutely astounding. Is the election going to be invalidated? Some electors who are getting together on Monday to, to make the final vote uh, were questioning this, and they wanted to get an intelligence briefing, but that's not going to change the election. I wish it would, but it's not going to. So this is it. We've got four more years of this guy, unless he gets impeached, which I uh, fondly hope that he does. All right, I'll talk to you next week.